2: The Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show is brought to you by who else? Blue Delta Jeans. The holy grail of blue jeans. The pair that fits you so perfectly, it's like they were made just for you. Because they were. Blue Delta Jeans is a Mississippi-based company whose one size fits one jeans are handmade in the U.S. to fit you and only you. Both Brad and myself have multiple pairs of Blue Delta Jeans, so trust us when we tell you your search for the perfect pair or pairs is over. Blue Delta jeans caters uniquely to your size. You don't even have to visit Oxford to get them either. Simply visit BlueDelta.com. BlueDelta.com right now. Don't wait and see your virtual tailor. Go online to answer 12 questions and be honest. A southern man should never ask a woman, weight, height, shoe size, to provide Blue Delta your measurements. And once you've made your selections, submit your order, and in just a few weeks, your custom made jeans will arrive at your door. As if you needed further convincing, Blue Delta jeans are the official jeans of Team USA in the Ryder Cup. And right now they're proud to offer their classic Indigo smooth denim jeans with the Ryder Cup logo on the watch pocket. So what are you waiting on? Blue Delta jeans are comfortable on the first wear, but will feel even better over time as the jean breaks in and they're made just for you in Tupelo, Mississippi. So visit bluedelta.com today. BlueDelta.com and use our promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC for $50 off your first purchase. That's BlueDelta.com promo code TOC for $50 off your first purchase. Your search for the perfect pair of jeans is over. Blue Delta Jeans, the title sponsor of the Talk of Champions post-game show. Ready? Ready. Wow, this game is over.
0: The Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show. It's more fun than it looks. With Ben Garrett and Bradley Sowell.
2: This is the Blue Delta Jeans Morning After Show. Not the post game show. The Morning After Show. Ole Miss beats Tennessee 31-26 to in Knoxville. Bradley Sowell was there with all the upheaval of my professional life this week. We just thought it best to wait until Sunday morning and here we are in old Mrs. Five and One. But Brad, did you and the family get out of there okay?
3: Man, what a game, dude. I mean, listen, we we're on our way home now, so we're in the car. You hear my GPS, I apologize, but man, what a what a game. I mean a, absolutely crazy environment. Um and it's um there, there's no other way that there's no other way to hide from this. I mean that was really one of the trashiest things I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, we, there was bottles flying everywhere. We were down there kind of close to the bottom. So um, bottles were flying all over the place. Um, pretty trashy, um, trashy deal. Um, you know, it's per- pretty much a sore loser there. So, um, yeah, we, we, we were able to get out of there. We tried to, we tried to keep it pretty cordial and uh, not um, you're not say a whole lot. Just get out of there. We were pretty outnumbered. But um, just, just terrible display. I hate it for the kids because um, a lot of those people throwing stuff, they aren't the ones out there practicing, working hard every week. Um, putting in the time, but to you know to, to to have fans you know ruin a game like that or try to ruin a game is um is just sad to say the least.
2: Twenty plus minute delay, because what happened was Ole Miss facing fourth and twenty four in Tennessee, a last gasp play to keep its chances to win alive. Get fourth and twenty three and two thirds, as it was described by Lane Kiffin. Fall short, roll down. They review it. And it looked to be the right call because of where his knee went down and where he had the ball in his possession. And once they confirmed this call, all hell broke loose. And on TV, it looked really bad. You had Lane Kiffin get hit with a golf ball, water bottles filled with brown stuff, God knows what it was. Even mustard bottles were being thrown, vape pens, anything and everything. It looked bad on TV, but being there, was it worse worse?
3: Oh yeah, it was it was one of the worst things I've seen, um, been a part of. I mean, it's you, usually some stuff starts getting thrown and it kind of gets under control. It went on the full twenty minutes. They could not get it under control. It got to the point where almost had to move, you know, move their people, you know, midfield onto the field to, um, you know, to, to, to avoid getting hit. And then even after the fact, I mean, bottles were flying. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. Actually, the guy I was sitting with, you know one come flute it hit him right on the foot. So I mean we had him pretty close to us as well. So um yeah, it, it was honestly bad. It was one of it was one of the most embarrassing things I've I've been a part of or seen. Um yeah it was it, it was it was probably much worse in person.
2: Well this morning this Sunday morning Lane Kiffin has gone on Twitter and done what Lane Kiffin does. He's just trolled and trolled and trolled some more sent out a Bible verse that no matter what weapon they use against you, it's surreal What happened? Because the thing is, is the first thing I wanted to touch on was how the Ole Miss defense that was so terrible and has been so terrible outside of the first half against Louisville came up with another game-winning stop, just like Arkansas. The one, two plays that absolutely had to have mattered, got to get them, they got them. All we can talk about is the absolute messiness of it all and almost giving up fourth and 24. What the hell? How do you almost give up? Why was that even a thing?
3: Yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, there's two ways to look at it. You can, you either can lay back and, and, you know, get in that prevent like they're in and be susceptible to something like that, or you can come after them and, and tackle the catch. I wish we would have came after them because you, you look, we brought pressure this week and what happened? We got after them, we got some sacks, we got, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of different things happened there. So um, I wish we went after them a little bit there, but you know, that, that's the, that's a you run. When you sit back like that, they can hit that hole over the middle and, um, he was definitely short of, the, short of the game. I mean, on TV, if you look at it from the back, his elbow you know, ended up getting over it there at the end but the ball, and his knee was down well short. It was the correct call. Um, the soilers just couldn't couldn't live with it
2: though. So. Well, Matt Crow went off, proved again in a more creative way, a new way why he should be considered the Heisman front runner. But that game was important because we talk about everything Ole Miss has in front of it and how Alabama opened the door. Now, is Alabama going to lose a second game? I doubt it. And they whipped Mississippi State on Saturday. With that, Ole Miss does have a path to getting to Atlanta. More importantly, by winning that game, and winning it the way they did. It wasn't the offense humming. Matt Crow was great, ran the ball 30 times. The first Ole Miss player to rush the ball 30 times in a game since Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis in 2007. And that was not by design. No game plan like that exists, but he had to. And he had to because he was down so many options offensively in Tennessee, the one thing, give them credit, they bottled up a lot, pretty much everything except for Matt Corral's legs. They could not slow him down as a runner. But Braylon Sanders gets hurt on top of Jonathan Mingo already being hurt, Chase Rogers being hurt, Caleb Warren is out, and then your running back, Snoop, Connor, On Ely, Henry Parrish, they really couldn't get much going. And the offensive line, they struggled. Orlando Umana got whipped on the safety, for example. It was all Matt Corral. We're talking about the messiness of those 20 minutes. But defensively, Ole Miss stepped up and did what it had to do. And in a week, when you talked about the not-so-great relationship right now between (laughs) DJ Durkin and Lane Kiffin, it was important to get a win like this. Yes, take all the big stuff that matters still, like Atlanta and the college football playoff, winning out and all that. Of course. But just this one game, looking at it in particular, looking at it on its own, to win it this way, Lane Kiffin said that, to win it this way with the defense, not the offense. The offense was held scoreless in the fourth quarter. With the defense, and considering the week that D.J. Durkin and Lane Kiffin's relationship had, I think it was a big step forward. Now, if they continue like this, who knows? But bringing pressure, you're right. That was the biggest change, biggest difference. Having Jake Springer back, he makes a difference, but winning the game like they did, even though fourth and twenty four almost gave it up, just one yard from fourth and twenty five. Of course, it's the Ole Miss thing to do. It matters. I think it really does matter moving forward for this team.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that just shows that we were, were a complete team, and, and on offense, man, we're just banged up. There, there's no way to put it. Um, you know, and, and you look at what what Tennessee was doing on defense. They were running a two high. That um, they were not protect the middle of the field um, whatsoever. I feel like you, the passes we did complete, you know, the middle of the field was 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 the place to go with the ball. But you know, they were running too high, and they weren't going to let us go over top, and they weren't going to let us run the ball. And but they, they didn't protect the middle of the field, so that, that's why when you saw Matt Crow break out, you know, and, and run the ball, there's no one there. So that um, they just weren't good enough to take away everything. And, and that's what good teams do. You have to um, you know do what do what makes you win and um what's there and um that's just um it is what it is but yeah you're right you know get out there and the defense playing well Jake, Jake springer is is the difference maker
2: for us absolutely um, man. Know, yes
3: him and the, him out there you know him him playing that, that that where he can insert and um you know do some different st- different things on defense it really helps us out
2: and he's physical not just as a rushing not just as a run stopper but In the passing game, too, he's physical. Now, that could get him in trouble. He can maybe over-pursue sometimes or gives up a play because he's going after the ball. But he's physical and aggressive in both aspects of defense. And that matters for a team that needs that on the back end. They've got it with a chance. Campbell in the middle, even though he's one of the few options that actually do these kind of things, he's always trying to punch the ball out or get the ball up front, Sam Williams was great. Ole Miss had five sacks, but it goes back to something we talked about after the Arkansas game and then in your football fix. Well, it wasn't a football fix. It was an hour of you and me talking after the craziness of my week professionally. But on Thursday, you and I talked about just bring pressure, and it worked, and they did it early. Five sacks, and it helped that Ole Miss offensively ran 100 plays and kept his defense on the sideline. They weren't trying to control the clock. But what was working was what? Matt Corral running the ball 30 carries for 195 yards. That was 195, the most for an Ole Miss quarterback ever, other than John Rice Plumley against LSU in 2019. But that was by design in Rich Rod's offense. This was Matt Corral just doing what had to be done. And if you take Matt Corral off of this Ole Miss football team, Brad, and we've said it before, but we're gonna keep saying it. If you're thinking about Heisman Trophy front runners Take Matt Corral off of this Ole Miss football team, and what happens? It falls apart completely. He's everything. He's the engine that drives the thing. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He's everything, and he did it again, and he did it in a way that he hadn't done it before. (laughs) He continues to do ridiculous things. And Lane Kiffin said afterwards, hey, I hope Ole Miss fans appreciate what they have right now and that every home game is sold out because you only have a few more opportunities to watch this kid. He is some kind of special. And what he's doing, and he's got talent around him, but not enough, as it showed, once they had injuries. Because even Lane Kevin said that too, Brad. I've never seen anything like this, he said, other than USC with sanctions. They're banged up, and Matt Corral is the reason why they continue to roll on. Yeah,
3: I would agree, man. I mean, the the, the kid is is extremely special. Um, the, the the way he's doing it, you know, he can do it with his legs. Um, you know, he, he's making multiple plays that are unreal. And you're right, man. I mean, him as banged up as we are, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 it's, bur- it's brutal. It's just getting worse and worse for him. And um, if you look at you take away his rushing yesterday, Ole Miss carried it. You know, under three yards a carry, which is um, you know not not great in the in the running game. Unheard, but, you know, unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, had 195 yards on the ground, 30 carries. Did what he had to do to win. I mean. They're not gonna let Matt Crow throw all over him. And to be honest with you, man, there was a couple drops in there too. I mean he still threw for two hundred or something yards, but you know, Pearson drops drops a sure touchdown. Um he dropped some multiple, you know, long balls there. There's a couple of drops in there. Me, um, Drummond dropped one. He would have thrown for three hundred yards had, had, had those all been completed. So That's right. Um, yeah, I mean he's 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 doing everything everything he can and he's he's really the engine behind that offense and you know, I hope fans appreciate it. Yeah,
2: you have to put an asterisk by his final stat line passing-wise. It was a perfectly fine stat line. It was perfectly fine. 21 for 38, 231. Only 55% completion rate, but a lot of those were drops. Ja'Core Pearson had a day. He had a day he's never going to want to remember. He dropped a surefire touchdown and then another first down. Got called for, I think, holding on a big play. It was just a bad day for yep. Ja'Core Pearson. But that shows the lack of depth that Ole Miss has, and Matt Crow did what? He didn't drop his head, sulk, say, woe is me. What am I going to do? He just stepped up and did what had to be done, and that was run. 30 carries, 195 yards. That is absolutely insane. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin after Ole Miss's 31-26 win over Tennessee before we jump to Brad's big thing, helmet stickers, Who won the week, Matt Corral? Who won the week? And much, much more, including your questions answered. Here's Lane Kiffin.
4: Awesome to win a game in that environment. You know, told the guys all week, hey, this place is going to be electric. As soon as we heard it it was going to be a sellout, 102,000. You know, I remember what it was like when we were here and, you know, like the South Carolina game and the energy. So knew we were going to have to weather a storm early of energy and emotion. And, um a lot of stuff went wrong in the first quarter and luckily we really played good defense you know to keep us hanging around and you know the quarterback i don't know what you say about him i mean he doesn't have his left guard he doesn't have two of his top three receivers doesn't have the tight ends out you know and the guy ended up with sacks carrying them all 30 times so that was not by design <clears throat> um you know now some of the quarterback draws as big plays obviously we're by design because of their coverages but you know you can't say it enough for a guy to do that on the road and put the game on his shoulders so we should have done better when we got the ball back there with a minute left to win the game put our defense in a rough situation um and the punt return so you know our defense really won the game twice so it was awesome to see and um we needed that you know if we would have won like last week, another blowout, not blowout, but another high scoring game like last week, you know, then we're sitting here with that same feeling about, you know, here we go again on defense. So, and they, that was a really hot offense. As everybody knows. And, um, you know, we played, played really good on defense. Questions.
1: Nick Suss.
3: Len, what do you say to your team during that delay? And just kind of what was your reaction to, to everything that was happening in
4: that 20 minutes? I just wanted to play. I mean, the players got helmets. It's the coaches that are going to get hit. Like, I still have my souvenir golf ball that I got hit with. But so, I mean, I just put the helmets on, let's play. And really, the Tennessee people, you know, were really down there on the field, were taking care of us. Um, I think David Elliott, you know, like, was over there. We're worried more about the players than anything else, even the Tennessee people. So that was really, really cool to see that part of it. Was the golf ball the only thing you got hit by, or was it more than that? There's some number of bottles with some brown stuff in them, so I'm not sure. Probably not moonshine. I don't think they'd waste the moonshine on me.
1: Joe Cook.
0: Yeah, Coach. You mentioned your defense. Um, just how proud you of your defense? Like you said, back-to-back weeks, they pretty much, you know, seal wins for you. Is that kind of the next step that you want to see from the defense?
4: Clutch playmaking. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is a lot better feeling defensively than a week ago. You know, a week ago we made the one two-point play um, stop. But this one we stopped them a number of times, um, including a fourth down stop. And, I mean, we just make it dramatic. I think it was fourth and 24, and they made 23 and three quarters. So I guess that's kind of the story of of our life. It just don't go real easy. So to see them rise to that, and then after a – I don't know how long. felt like a 30-minute delay. Then we do a really bad job of threeing out on offense and don't cover the punt well and put our defense in a rough position, and they did a great job. Really rushed there with three at the end, um, relentless effort, ended up getting five sacks You know, against a very athletic quarterback. Blake Topmeyer.
1: Yeah, Lane, I have uh, two questions. Uh, one, it was like five hours ago, but uh, what happened on that, uh, the fourth down play where, uh, where Matt stood there um, and got tackled? Um, and I'll wait for your answer and then ask my second part. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was, I mean, it was really unfortunate,
4: kind of like the crazy things of the nights that happened. You know, our offensive guys heard a whistle because it's really a pass. He's going to throw the ball that Plumlee's not covered you know, drum cracks the guy and knocks the guy over and Plumlee's in the flat and go for a long ways. And Matt and a number of the officers just stopped. That's why he just let them have the ball. And even some of their defensive players stopped, I think. So the ref said they didn't blow it. So somehow we all heard a whistle that didn't happen. And so unfortunately, you know, like I was saying, that was like a 14 point play felt like because they picked it up
1: and went scored. And we had a guy wide open for a huge play. And then part two, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a few years ago. You mentioned on a podcast that uh, when you were at Alabama, uh, the Alabama security team recommended that you wear a bulletproof vest when you made your return to Neyland Stadium, and and you said that that was not necessary. Um, In light of tonight, um, I mean, I guess did you feel like any extra security was needed? Um, And I asked this, I guess, sort of in jest, but um, did you feel like you know, at any point that, that your safety was kind of threatened at any point? I don't know. You
4: know, like I didn't even think about it till we got off the bus in that same area as the Alabama area. You know, the majority of people were, were actually really good, especially early in warm ups. I think it was more, you know, students that weren't even, I don't know, they were eight or something when we were here before or whatever. So, because early on going out there, I thought it was a different reception, but. I think that's one of the most passionate fan bases in America and you got a hundred thousand of them together and things don't go their way when all that energy's going and you know, they got upset. I don't know if it was I don't I'm not sure it wasn't partly at the refs too, because they replay the play and I think they're watching his other hand thinking they had a first down, so it is what it is. Next us. I mean, just from your perspective, what, what was the difference for the defense on the last couple of drives this week compared to last week? Um, I think Jake Springer makes a difference. I think that was pretty obvious uh, throughout the game. And, you know, the last time that guy played significantly was the opener, I think. So, uh, you know, I think he makes difference, and we didn't give up many plays, big plays. We we controlled the clock, which we don't even try to do. I mean, at one point I looked up, we were over 10 minutes ahead of time of possession, which probably helps your defense. We don't know what that's like. But, you know, we ran 101 plays on offense without penalties. So that's probably over 110 plays that were run. So that's all helps the defense sitting there.
1: Joe Cook.
0: Coach, you mentioned how Matt Corral just really put the put, put the team on his back with his rushing ability. Uh, I'm curious, maybe heading into this game with the way Matt runs the ball, have y'all said, "Hey, we are gonna need you to slide more because you're, you know, you're basically you know, our most valuable player." And how I guess how do you coach him in that, you know, going forward, even though he had to do what he had to do tonight.
4: Well, we've tried that, and actually Matt did it early. He actually slid in the open field, and I think then they got competitive, and, you know, he lost, you know, Braylon early, um, you know, to an injury, and I think he just kind of felt like, hey, this ain't going to be a slide game. He's going to have to do a lot on his own, which is what he did. And, you know, I've said it before. I hope our fans appreciate this guy. I hope every home game is a sellout because you ain't got many times left to see this guy, and he is a special, special player.
1: One more. Blake Topmeyer, go ahead. Yeah, Wayne, I'm going to ask another two-parter. Um, part one, a uh, lot of injuries tonight. Um, w- what do you make of that, and, and do you think those were all legitimate? That was a two-part question. <laughs> um, I was, was, was going to say my second part. but <laughs> So we were...
4: Heavily injured coming into the game, um, especially offensively. I mean, I really do not remember something like this except for sanctions at USC, the lack of depth on offense at skilled positions that we had today. And you saw guys playing a lot of snaps and wearing down and not even necessarily household names that you're used to. So, um, and there were just, it was a high play count game. and There were a lot of injuries both sides, so. I mean, the fans boo when it's us, but they had a lot of injuries
1: too. So just a really high play count game. And if I could ask a quick follow-up, um, I mean, you've been back to Nealon and won before. Are, are the emotions any different as a head coach, um, I guess, been as compared to as a coordinator coming back and winning here?
4: Well, the emotions are different because the two Alabama games were blowouts. So when you go to the end like that – you know, the fans' energy and going back and forth and the delay and all that. And I'm sure, you know, it's human nature that when you're the head coach, it feels a little bit different. But I really, you know, I thanked our players. I didn't say a thing all week. This team is not about me and it's still not about me. But I did thank our players for coming through because, you know, it does feel a lot better walking out, walking off the field, winning, you know, getting told all those things that they say versus losing. So...
2: Listen to NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
1: Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread. With incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with five to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10, H E R O.co. We're going three, one,
0: two, three, let's go! Brad's big thing!
2: All right, Brad. You heard from Lane Kiffin there after Ole Miss's thirty-one to twenty-six win at Tennessee. What's your one big thing?
3: Well, I think I think the the, the key to the key this week, uh, the the biggest difference in in the following weeks is, is what we did on defense. Um, did we line up in the in the three down the same? You know, three-two-six. Yeah, we knew we were going to do that. We're not going to switch the scheme, but what we did was more of what I was was what I was hoping we would do. And and I think what we should do going forward you know, a lot of these quarterbacks cannot throw under pressure it, you know and improved versus Alabama um you know multiple teams proved it i I would rather take our shots and man we we pressured every other down, and we set this guy five times. I think that's something that um had we did versus arkansas we, we would have you know probably beat them by much more, and um you know it, it helped us yesterday that's one hundred percent the biggest key of the game yesterday. Um, you're getting after him, getting pressure, moving around, uh, being physical with him, you know, bringing guys off the edge. Um, did we give up a couple passes? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I'd rather really give up a couple and, and get t- traded for five sacks and a couple stops than I would for um, yeah, you know, to sit back there and let him, let him have time to throw. So I think that was the key yesterday to, to win the game. And then um, you know, we, we made some stops there at the end whenever, whenever we needed. And then that's, that's the kind of defense I think we should play going forward. Um, you know kind of kind of one of those exotic styles and yeah, it worked for us yesterday and that was that was that was really
2: really the key five sacks 10 10 10 tackles for loss two sacks for mark robinson one sack for jake springer one and a half for sam williams and a half a sack for cedric johnson it wasn't just trying to generate pressure on the quarterback and get to the quarterback with those three down linemen and t Tisdale did play a little bit He was out there, so he's out of the doghouse at least a little bit, but he didn't start. But where you really saw the difference was where they were bringing the pressure and who they were bringing it from.
0: Hooker goes down again. Mark Robinson with Ole Miss's fourth sack of the night.
2: Tysheem Johnson had a tackle for loss, 10 of them. Again, 10 tackles for loss. Sam Williams was a one-man wrecking crew. Two and a half for him to finish second behind Mark Robinson, who had five tackles for loss.
0: Third and five, Hooker, spin move, and then it gets cut down in the open field. Mark Robinson with a stop for Ole Miss. Yeah, just trying to push the ball downfield. Little leakage up front forces Hooker out on the pocket. Third sack for the Rebels tonight.
2: They weren't just relying on three down linemen to get after the quarterback to try to get stops in the backfield. They were bringing it, and that's something we've been begging for. So that is the big thing for a relationship with Lane Kiffin and DJ Durkin that is strained right now. As you detailed on this podcast on Thursday, it's important to show not just improvement statistically, but you're trying new things that you're not following the definition of insanity and trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Saturday was not the same result we're used to seeing Saturday was very much a different result. And the reason why is because they changed things up and they got creative and how they were coming after the quarterback and how they were disguising things, bringing different guys from different places. It was what we expected to see from the get-go, I don't know why it took this long. Maybe they had to simplify to start, because they do have a lot of new pieces out there. DeAndre Prince is playing a lot. Chance Campbell's playing every single down at seems. So they do have a lot of new pieces that maybe they needed to simplify. But now, throw that simplification out the window. It's time to bring it and get creative. And finally, finally, we saw that. And it worked, because offensively, Ole Miss did not score in the fourth quarter. And if I'd have told you, Brad, in a close game, Ole Miss wasn't going to score in the fourth quarter, you'd have said, oh, they're getting upset. That didn't happen, because defensively, they mixed things up.
0: Pressure again. Hooker taken down. Takes pressure. Pretty- Was a defensive coordinator, Navy. He put Jake Springer at outside linebacker two years ago. They set him the loose. He turned in one of the greatest sack seasons in Navy history, and he's continuing it here at Rocky Top against the Volunteers.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that, that was that was the key. And, and man, you, Mark Robinson's gonna have a case for SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Look at his staff. Absolutely. It's yeah. just, uh, unbelievable. He was Real difference maker Sam Williams, um, you know Chance Campbell obviously running you know all over the place, but um, Jake Springer in there. I mean that they, that that defense looked much much more serviceable. Um, yeah, are they going to give up plays? Of course. I mean we just we don't have that that kind of um, talent over there yet. But I mean they 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 held their own yesterday, and um, you know realistically you know we give them a safety and then they turn around and score on two plays. Other than that, I mean, it was tough sledding for Tennessee most of the day. I mean, that, that, that nine points right there was kind of um, kind of given, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was
2: really good to see. Hendon Hooker did what I expected him to do. In the first half, almost bottled him up. But I think that was because Tennessee offensively wasn't really trying to run him. And once they committed themselves to running him and using his dual-threat capability, well, it opened up in the second half, and he was gashing Ole Miss on the ground. They were getting to him, but they couldn't get him down to the ground. He finished with 23 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown, completely overshadowed by Matt Corral with 30 and 195. But Hendon Hooker was solid. He was really solid, did enough to win the game for Tennessee, but defensively, Ole Miss stepped up finally. And Mark Robinson, it's the newcomers, Mark Robinson, 14 total tackles, 12 solos, two sacks, five tackles for loss. That is insane. Jake Springer was second, 11 total tackles, seven solos, one sack, one tackle for loss. And what really jumped out when you watched him, he always seems to be around the ball, and that's something that has value, real value.
3: Yeah, he's he's just extremely physical, man. Wherever they insert him in the run, he's big enough and strong enough to to hold the point and, and actually be really physical there. Um, he, he was, it totally made sense why Kiffin kept saying how we needed him back. Mm-hmm. Um, big, big, big piece of defense. Wherever you in, inserted him, it was, it was making a difference, man. So, um, yeah, we, we got it. We got to hopefully he stays healthy and stays in there. He's, he's really a key to that defense. And I think Mark Robinson going forward, him and Chance Campbell at linebacker, you know, I think that, that may be where, where we're headed. Oh, I agree with you. Mark that. Robinson played, yeah. He no. plays super hard, man. Mm-hmm. And he is physical. Like he hits, he hits through guys. So, I think I think we see those two in there more, and, and Mark Robbins is one of those guys who who can kind of blitz and insert gaps and stuff. I mean, I, I thought we looked better at time source to run yesterday. It certainly it certainly wasn't like like Arkansas game or Alabama game. So, and Tennessee's a good running team. So I mean, that was um, yeah they got they got their stuff on the ground. But that, whenever you're hitting them for that many lost yardage plays, that's a good day on defense.
2: Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Arkansas are the three top rushing offenses in the SEC. And Tennessee ran the ball well, but it didn't look the same. It didn't look the same. Not like Arkansas. Arkansas almost just couldn't stop them at all. They did get the one stop that mattered by bringing pressure. And it's like DJ Durkin went, oh, okay, it can work, and tried it for a full game. And guess what? It worked. The most fascinating thing to me, Mark Robinson, Jake Springer, Chance Campbell, and Otis Reese. Now, Otis Reese played some games last year, the final three after the NCAA, or four, three or four, after the NCAA finally cleared him. But that's four newcomers, Brad, four, that led you, carried yep. you. Because defensively, they want it. They want it. Lane Kiffin said as much. They want it. That's four newcomers that did that. Four newcomers that stepped up and led your defense. And I think that's what you're going to see more of on a recruiting side of it moving forward. Otis Reese was a a transfer they got from Georgia. Chance Campbell, a transfer from Maryland. Jake Springer, a transfer from Navy. Mark Robinson, a transfer from Southeast Missouri. The way you look at recruiting and watch recruiting and follow recruiting, we're going to crank up recruiting coverage on the Ole Miss Spirit, hopefully starting on Monday. Stop looking around at the star rankings and the team rankings and stuff like that. This recruiting cycle is going to be like no recruiting cycle ever because the numbers crunch after COVID and the expanded rosters, well, now that's finally come to a head here. And there's going to be a roster purge pretty much everywhere. And Ole Miss is not going to be left out in that. They're going to have to purge some guys off the roster just to make the numbers work. They can sign 32, but the hard 85 cap is there. And they're already over. Don't be surprised if you see them sign a smaller high school class and really hit the transfer portal hard. And you can't really argue with the results when you look at the Tennessee game because who are the top four guys? Yep.
3: I mean, that's, that, that's going to be the new normal. And you it know, kind of gives you hope going forward. Maybe you add four more guys or so this next year or and, and a couple of young guys get better. You know, you can have a completely different style of defense, you know. So, um, yeah, I think you're right there. I think that, um, you know, we go to the portal and um, add some guys. But, yeah, it's, it's encouraging to see us hitting on those guys as well.
2: I am surprised that you don't have a story about you almost getting in a fight yesterday. I really am. Oh,
3: uh, uh, Dude, uh, there was, there was multiple, there was multiple outside that game. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I did, I did my best. I will say that um, I was probably second to Chad Kelly. Um, he was, um, he was pretty rowdy in those stands. So, oh, what was Chad um, doing? Uh, he was, he was having a good time, like always. So he was, he was pretty fired up, you know, and speaking of that, I mean, it's, how about his brother getting there? I mean, that is, it, was, it was good to see some production out the tight end. Huge. Made a few good catches in there. Um, I think going forward, man, having him healthy and there playing is, is going to be huge for us. He's he he that was good to see us getting, getting a few tight end receptions yesterday. So yeah, guy was having a good time supporting his brother, and um, you know, just like everybody else, talking some mess.
2: You're an intense guy, but you had the wife and kids with you. Papa Bear probably came out a little bit too. you were ready to roll on him.
3: No I, no kids on this one I did have my wife oh, okay but, um, All right. All right. Yeah, so So I was a little probably, You know, a little bit A little bit more More yet end up to, to To get in the fight But I, I can't I can't do the whole fight At the games These people are crazy You got people Throwing stuff You know, there was Quite a few fights Outside the stadium But over Over 19, 20 year old kids Playing a football game Seems kind of odd but, um, but they Tennessee certainly Took it to those lengths
2: It was surreal Now look Ole Miss is no stranger to that kind of stuff. Everybody remembers the Alabama game, Dole, Jackson, and the red high-heel shoe that was thrown on the playing field, all that kind of stuff. So Ole Miss has been through this before, but nothing like that. That felt like a wrestling Hulk Hogan turning heel type of environment, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it it certainly happened to Ole Miss, but it it got under control rather quickly. This went on for 20 straight minutes where they could not get it under control. It It was the oddest feeling ever. Ugh. Um, being in the stadium while that's going on, I mean, it was it was pretty nasty. So, um, it, it is what it is, and it just uh, I tell you, what, I tell you what was fun is being in that old Miss section and, and all the all the hottie going on and all that. I mean that, that that was that was a really fun feeling. But man, you just knew that coming out of that stadium, you, you probably should just um, just take it easy and get back to the get yeah. back to the car because
2: put your head down um, and get out had, of there. Right, put yeah, your head down. Yeah, You
3: a hundred a hundred thousand drunk. Tennessee fans, some of them had shirts, some of them didn't, <laughs> you know, tatted up, tatted up from the foot to the neck, um, you know, re- reliving the old Phillip former days, I mean, it, dude, the game was over, you lost, go, 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 go freaking home, you know, it's, it, it's
2: crazy. Oh, man, a lot of those fans are probably in church this morning, <laughs> let's just hope they regret some things.
3: Yeah, they, they certainly need it, but man, I, the hate for Lane Kiffin was, was serious yesterday, they, and that surprises it felt, it felt like me.
2: It really yeah. does. It really does because, yeah, you it see, was, it just shows it that Twitter's cute. not real life, social media's not real life because you see this overwhelming bring Lane back, bring Lane back. I mean, the last two coaching searches for Tennessee, there were campaigns to bring Lane back. And Philip Fulmer, for example, at the time, the athletics director for Tennessee, he gets blown up with emails telling him to bring Lane back. There was a story actually written about it either in the L.A. Times or somewhere. About they how they wanted to bring Lane back, but you forget when you're really online, you forget it's not real life. That was real life.
3: Yeah, it was. It was definitely, it was definitely crazy. But it was, um, you know, good good thing that good thing they were able to finish it out. But I don't get. Listen, there were still three time left in that game. That's so, right. Um, it wasn't like it was they was taking these and it was over. I mean, as you seen, there was a chance of them still to win that game, and they did. They got all the way down to the damn ten yard line. So um, yeah, I mean that. They were almost about to cost their team a chance, a chance to even get it you near know, to win the game, so um yeah it was it was disgusting man I mean it was yeah you know, it, it would not stop I'm talking those balls were flying from from the upper decks and all over the place it was it was surreal it really was it was a crazy feeling
2: If I'd have told you Ole Miss was only going to score thirty one points and be held scoreless in the fourth quarter, you'd have said they'd have lost they were upset,
3: <laughs> yep, yeah, one hundred percent. But like I said last week, um, you know, football is about a game of matchups and you know, I, I didn't think that I thought Arkansas and Alabama were gonna be two of the toughest tests in the in the in the running, you know, in sense of running running the ball and stuff. Um, you know, Tennessee runs runs it well. They're a good team, but they still aren't on that Alabama Arkansas level. So I think that that helped us out a little bit of you know, being able to stop that team. I think they're good but they were certainly not not Arkansas or Alabama, so um, I, I think a little bit what you saw the last two weeks it sucked you know the stats look bad you know but it was a skewed skewed vision you know that those teams were much more you know much more on a different level you know as far as running run it than the Tennessee so um, I, I think certainly going forward I don't think we'll see, a, you know, see another team that, that ran it quite as well as Arkansas and Alabama.
2: Alright let's hand out some helmet stickers We're
0: going three one two three Man. Let's go!
1: Helmet stickers
2: Every week after every game, Brad and I hand out helmet stickers. Three apiece. Your first helmet sticker goes to who?
3: I'm giving my first one to Mark Robinson. You know, I think we touched on it earlier. He had a big game, you know, all over the field, made a few sacks, a bunch of tackles for loss. You know, I, I think he'll have a have a case for SEC defensive player of the week. Um, you know, just looking at his stat line alone and, and how important he was in the game. So um, there's also a play where, you know, the quarterback got a you know five Maybe five 6 yards, but man, he absolutely stuck him. And, and hits like that help. You know, it's called body blows, man. He was he was out there delivering body blows all game. And um, you yeah, know, we need more guys like that. Him and Chance Campbell together are two really high effort guys, you know, sideline to sideline linebackers, and um, you know, it was it showed up big. I'm giving him my first time a sticker.
2: You have to. A lot of people are asking me, Hey, where's Lakia Henry? My answer was he was just on the bench, man. Because Mark Robinson was doing what he did, 14 tackles, 12 solos, two sacks, five tackles for loss. He's been one of those guys, and he's really been one of those guys since game one. He got kicked out because of targeting. But Mark Robinson, they were expecting to rely on him. This is not a surprise. He's just now really getting his feet underneath him, and Tennessee was a coming-out party for what he could be or what they think he could be for this defense moving forward.
3: Yeah, big time big time player man i mean he's, he he's going to keep getting better and better to your right i mean he's this is really the first real action in in, in SEC you know SEC play um, you know first year so i mean he, he still still is getting his feet wet as well so you know i think he's i think he's he's, he's trending up
2: my first helmet sticker goes to Jake Springer He'd been out for weeks, weeks with a shoulder injury. He finally comes back, practiced all week in a black non-contact practice jersey and goes for 11 tackles, seven solos, one sack, one tackle for loss. I've called him the linchpin of the Ole Miss secondary. And I don't think at this point there's any argument to be made the other way. They need Jake Springer. Keydron Smith served admirably in his place but he's not the physical player that Jake Springer is. He's not the aggressive player that Jake Springer is. He's not the ball-hawking pursuer that Jake Springer is. He's a difference maker. He's a sure tackler, and he makes his presence known game in, game out when he's out there. So keeping him healthy, keeping him on the field, that will go a long way in making this defense look like a defense that can support an offense that even on an off night, as it was against Tennessee, by no fault of their own, they were without so many players offensively. Offensively, there was going to be a game where it was going to be a struggle, a grind, where Ole Miss just had to figure it out. And that's what that game felt like. Almost just figuring it out. That's why Matt Corral finished with 30 carries. 30 carries. Here's Corral
0: straight ahead. Everybody full. He's got a blocker out there. And Corral gets spun around after getting Nick Broker out of the way. 33-yard run.
2: My God, 30 carries, 195 yards, because that's the only thing that was really working with any kind of regularity consistency. Jake Springer matters, man. He absolutely matters, and getting him back showed he just improved that defense in every conceivable way. It was noticeable.
3: Absolutely, I mean, it's just—he, he, you could tell right away when he was in there the physicality that he brought back to the defense. Got to have him. Um, got to have him going forward. He's got to stay healthy. You know, we're, we're not a team that has a ton of depth, so when you lose guys like Braylon Sanders, you know, Jake Springer for extended period of time, Caleb Warren. It shows up at times. I mean, it really does. So um, we've, got to get, we've got to get those guys back, got to get everybody healthy so so, so Matt Grimes has, has something around them. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see here
2: going forward. My second helmet sticker goes to Danish Jackson. He made his third catch of the year, Let's which was a, which was a touchdown on a double move when you got guys that fall in front of you. And you get pressed into action. What do you do with it? And Danish Jackson, the preseason MVP making play after play, finally gets in Had caught two passes so far this season. He finishes with only two. Two for 42 and a touch. But that touch was a double move, 33-yard touchdown. That's what you have to have happen contribution-wise when you have injuries.
0: Up, go, shot to the end zone. came into this game with just two receptions on the season working on Alante taylor tennessee's best cover corner on the outside
2: step in and not miss a beat now almost missed the beat they didn't have much of a passing game that really had any flow to it whatsoever but Dennis jackson did what he needed to do he stepped in he made a play he scored a touchdown his first career touchdown danish jackson deserves his first helmet sticker
3: yeah, listen, I think I texted you during the game, man. Dennis Jackson has, has elite um, change direction, man. He could be a special player with talents there. You know, I don't, I don't know if for whatever reason, you know, the production, you know, I don't know if he used to do that and got shots or whatever, but he is one of those guys who you, you would like to see keep maturing and keep getting there. But, man, when it comes to just a one-on-one matchup and, and he can he can change direction or stick his foot in the ground, kind of a double move there, I mean, the, the, the fact that he can he – can, do it that quick and that special. I mean, he's got it. He's got the talent. Now uh, see so if he can put it together and become a become a receiver for us. You know, a really good receiver going forward. Um, he's cert- certainly a guy that um, that has the talent to do something. It's just a matter of if he can if
2: he can step up and do it. Your second helmet sticker goes to who?
3: I'm going all defense today. I think I'm going to go Sam Williams. He,
2: yep. Um, you, stole you stole my third one. You stole my third one. Animal he's, he's all man. Over place, man. Animal. He
3: was um honestly watched him a lot this game. Um he was whooping their tackles ass so there's no other way to put it. Um you know a lot of the times he was gonna get another sack, but you know, when you when you got three down, you have the guard kind of protecting the tackle. Um but still man, the, I mean I think he made an outright sack on, on um out of three down. You know, they're just this run three and he actually got a sack. So all over the place. Um, Sam Williams was, was all around the quarterback. He he certainly did one.
2: Seven tackles, five solos, one and a half sacks. Two and a half tackles for loss. He'd have had more, too, because he was getting held over and over again and never got a flag. It just makes no sense to me when they decide to throw flags. Now, there's holding on almost every single play. So you can't throw it every single play. But this is Mark Curls' crew, the worst crew imaginable for a game like that, for any game, really, because Mark Curls sucks. But holy cow, Sam Williams kept getting in the backfield, kept getting held – They weren't calling it. And he still finishes with seven tackles, seven, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. He beasted it. That is the Sam Williams that almost did not have last year. This is the Sam Williams. Who's been like this since day one. He's looked like himself. We talked about a draft pick going into last year. And then all the messiness in his off the field life went down. This is the Sam Williams. that looks like a next level player.
3: Yeah. He's, he's playing very well this year, man. He really is. Um, and he's doing that at a three down, which you know, like I guess is tough. So, um, he's all over the place. He'll, he'll certainly have a chance to, to make it to the next level. Let's just, you know, hope he gets whatever he, in his off you know, whatever his off the field life is. Hope he, hope he gets all that straight and, um, and, and really matures up and he'll have a chance to do something at the next level. He's a really talented athletic kid, tall can run. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll have a chance to make to the next level. It's going to be a matter of if he can do it. And, keep his head on straight to be able to
2: do it. Matt Corral gets a helmet sticker every single week, but this week we have to give him his props. 21-38, 231, two passing touchdowns. Did throw his first interception of the year, but he was just trying to do anything and everything he could. He pressed on that one. It was an old-school bad decision for Matt Corral. The first real bad decision he's made all year, through his first interception. I'm not going to hold that against him at all because he had career highs in both rushing yards 195 and attempts 30 the first rebel like i said to run 30 times in a game since 2007 ben jarvis green ellis a bell cow running back corrals the superstar quarterback and went for 30 he's thrown a touchdown pass in 18 straight games the second longest streak in school history trailing only chad kelly who was in the stands In his 22, he moved to number three in career total offense with 7,840 total yards. He moved to number three in career passing touchdowns with 51, passing Chad Kelly's mark of 50. He's number four in career passing yards with 6,666. He's only the sixth Ole Miss quarterback to surpass 6,000 yards. He owns 474 career completions and ranks number six all-time on the list. He threw his first interception, but dating back to 2020, he had 233 pass attempts without a pick, a new school record, and the fifth longest streak ever in the SEC. Matt Corral gets a helmet sticker every week, but this week he earned it tenfold. Third and four. So listen to Play the play of the game right here.
0: They broke out the third down for one. Design run. First down and a hit and a lick. And Matt Corral moves the chain with a 12-yard
3: run. His play speaks for itself. There's no, nothing more to say. He's, he is Ole Miss football right now.
2: He's everything. He's absolutely everything. Your last helmet sticker.
3: All right, I'm going outside the box here. Ooh. I'm, I'm the third Ole Miss helmet sticker should go to the Ole Miss training staff. They had an unbelievable game. All those injuries out there, they were getting those guys to the sideline and getting them back healthy, getting them right back in the game. I'm giving the third one to the almost training staff. I mean, great job by them. I mean, I think we had 12 injuries, 12 to, 12 to 18 injuries, and every guy seemed to get back in there the next play. I'm very proud of the Straight training staff. They that they, they got them right this week.
2: And a lot of Tennessee fans booed every single time a player went down. <laughs> Was some of it a little gamesmanship? Sure. But both teams had a lot of injuries throughout the game. It wasn't just Ole Miss, Tennessee. So, Tennessee kid goes down, nothing. Anytime an Ole Miss player went down, they booed. They cheered when Matt Corral got hurt late in the fourth quarter. Absolute garbage. Garbage. Just trash. Everything. Tennessee fans, I don't believe the vast majority of them were represented by what happened on Saturday night. But – The vocal group that acted like asshats, cheering Matt Crowell getting hurt, all the garbage they did with throwing stuff on the field, that was an embarrassment. And Greg Sankey came out with his own statement. He condemned it as harsh as he could, saying there could be punishment, all this kind of stuff. Something has to happen. Because that was embarrassing. Again, at the end of the day, this is sports. And to behave in that manner is just gross. Absolutely gross. So, Kudos to Olmas for getting out of there with a win. That's all that matters. They're where they need to be. They're five and one. And now we go around the circle.
0: Around the circle.
1: That's
2: the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Going around the circle for scores in the SEC, Arkansas. I guess Ole Miss broke Arkansas. Auburn wins 38 to 23. Florida loses to LSU 49-42, setting up what is now suddenly an interesting game between Ole Miss and LSU next Saturday. Texas A&M 35-14 over Missouri. Kentucky gets whipped by Georgia 30-13. Georgia looks like the best team in the country, and it's not close. Vanderbilt was winning, and holding on, looked like they were going to pull it off, but then they Vanderbilted, and South Carolina wins. 21-20 Mississippi State. I'm sorry guys. Alabama after a loss is not a good place to be. Forty nine to nine. Forty nine to nine. And then Ole Miss thirty one to twenty six over Tennessee. What have we learned this week in the SEC?
3: Well, I think, you know, it's it is what it is. Georgia's just on another level. Their defense is
2: another it's, it's level.
3: Unstoppable. I mean, it's it, it's really ridiculous. I think I think Georgia is is the number one team in the nation. Um, you got well. Iowa went down, so everybody should move up here too. Iowa, number two team went down, but yeah, um, it's it's Georgia and Alabama and the rest. I think that um, that Ole Miss has a good. If Ole Miss can get healthy, we have a case for the number, you know, the number three team in the SEC, um, and we'll certainly have a chance to prove it here down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody kind of knew knew this weekend what the deal was, but I was a little shocked by Arkansas going down um, like that. I, I maybe maybe they're just you yeah, know they've had ball for 11 a.m. games in a row, um, taking taking some losses. So they, they had a tough little stretch of schedule there. We'll see how they bounce back. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look around look around the circle, Ole Miss is, is yeah, right there at the number three team.
2: Bo Nix went for 292 through the air against them. That never happens. Ole Miss broke Arkansas. Here's the thing about the number three team in the SEC. Who else would it be other than Ole Miss? Florida lost to LSU, and Ole Miss banged up as it is, just by going through results and where the results are, Ole Miss is the number three team in the SEC. If they stay there, it depends completely on can you get healthy. If you can get healthy and Ole Miss can get close, I don't think it will ever be. But close enough to full strength, now you've got a shot. Now you've got a real chance to show why you are the number three team in the SEC and push to make a college football playoff spot. You don't have to go to Atlanta to do that. Um, I don't even know if it's necessarily in the best interest of Ole Miss to get to Atlanta. I know Ole Miss fans want to get to Atlanta desperately, but Georgia, in my mind, is the best team bar none in the country. So let Alabama and Georgia duke it out. If an Ole Miss team with one loss gets to the end of the year with only one loss and doesn't play in the SEC championship game, that might be for the best because you're probably getting in.
3: Yeah, that's a good point because if Georgia beats Alabama, they'll have two losses yeah um now to alabama alabama would have beaten us but at the same time i mean if we're if we're a one loss team we'd have a better shot they're in. they're in they're in Then, then if we went yeah then if we went to atlanta and, and um and lost so and one thing that helps us too is we have the heisman trophy winner in my mind on our team so i don't even think you know, it's they're, close
2: they're, brad i don't think it's yeah, close it no, shouldn't be it shouldn't be it's politics i get it it shouldn't be
3: it should it shouldn't be but he's on ole miss and you know how that goes so um yeah, I mean that that'll be a case. you know the world's gonna they're gonna want the world to see him you know see him play so um, that that that's gonna help us going down the stretch here especially especially when it comes to bowl positioning and um, you yeah, know potentially a playoff spot. There's a long way from discussing. I mean we've got some more tough environments to step into. I mean the Auburn game really really you know it kind of sticks out here down the stretch. But um, yeah, I mean I, I think they're certainly certainly have a shot.
2: Well, the LSU game becomes interesting because LSU, don't ever count out Ed Ord's run when his job's on the line. Never do it. Now, Mel Tucker has been floated as an early front-runner love affair of LSU should they make a change. Lane Kiffin, his name has been floated for LSU. Lane Kiffin's a habitual flirter. That's probably what's going to happen. He's going to flirt with LSU and whoever. Ole Miss is going to have to step up like it will every single year to keep him. Having said that, LSU now looks like a team that is going to be a challenge because they jumped all over Florida. It was twenty-one to six. Then they hold on and win forty-nine to forty-two. I didn't think they had that kind of offensive output in them, and yet here they are. And you look at the Saturday matchup, and suddenly with Ole Miss banged up, you're on upset alert.
3: Yeah, but here, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. We got we got to be healthy this week, or it's going to be a much closer game than it should be. Um, but I think people discount how tough it is to go into these environments for teams. The crazy stuff happens. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, if we were fully healthy and Tennessee came up to Oxford next week, I think we beat them easily by two touchdowns. But man, I mean, there, there was times where, where stuff happened during that game that was, that was totally, totally based on how loud now the communication was messed up something that causes you crazy plays to happen. So people got to realize, man, these environments are tough to go into. Florida goes into a rowdy LSU and, um you know lsu gets some confidence there they start making some mistakes and boom you you turn around you just lost lsu by by a touchdown so um i I certainly think that um you know that if we're healthy this week you know i I definitely respect lsu but i think that um that we could you know we, we should handle this team
2: but this stretch now looks tougher than it did a week ago lsu and auburn liberty was 33 point favorites against ULM and lost. So I'm not worrying about Liberty, man. I'm just not worrying about Liberty. Maybe I should. Maybe Hugh Freeze, this is what he does. But screw that. If you expect to be the team that we think you are, that you think that you are, then you're going to beat up on Liberty. But then it's Texas A&M, which upset Alabama. So this stretch of the next three or four... Looks tough because Liberty, there's going to be the Hugh Freeze factor and wanting to get that win, how geared up they'll be. They'll throw the entire kitchen sink at you. So this next four-game stretch, I, we talk about defining stretches. This is now, considering the results, the, the, the defining stretch of the season for Ole Miss. This is it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The, the next two weeks are going to be the difference in, in getting there. But I, please play my soundbikes from earlier. We're
2: going to beat the shit out of Liberty. You said that. You said that verbatim. It verbatim Listen, when i was Liber- going oh but liberty malik willis and Hugh freeze, you freeze yeah you you said that
3: you know UL, ul monroe ul monroe beat jackson state 12 to 7 this year okay that's not good so, that's not good <laughs> so jackson state and, and liberty played about played ul monroe about the same so i uh, that that game that game's gonna be two lane-ish 60 call it 60 to 20 so I ain't, i'm not worried about that game one bit now these next two games are um are you know, or, or you're right? They're the, they're the final stretch, but you got one of them at home, um, LSU, and, and I feel like you know this is the first week where that quarterback's not really that mobile, man. We we got to relax a little bit on the on the on the running quarterback. I uh, can throw pretty. He can he can get after you in the passing game if you let him. But um, I think we pressure this kid and, and get after him, and um, you know I, I don't think they stop us. Their, their defense is. I mean, we're, we're going to throw for a ton on them.
2: Two thirty CBS on Saturday, and then Auburn. Kickoff has not been announced. Man, I wish that the Vanderbilt game, which is November twentieth, was coming up in one of the next two weeks. But that's not how it works. It's going to be Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, in Starkville to close it out. And with Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl, you can never predict anything. But from results we've seen so far, these next couple of games will tell us if we really think that Ole Miss can go and win out and finish with one loss and only one loss and put itself in position to be a playoff team these next two games are going to show us this team without matt corral i shudder to think where they would be he's the heisman front runner and if he gets them through these next two games and then finishes out and gets them to 11 and one he is the heisman winner period
3: yeah it's, it shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be a debate at this point i mean he's winning games for his team and in, in multiple different ways and that's that's what the heisman winner is to me it's the is not a guy that's on a, on a team full of you know, future first-round picks. They're putting up stats, the same stats that the last three guys have put up. Heisman is a guy that, that that without him on the team, they're, they're, they're four or five wins worse, and that's Matt Grout.
2: Stupidest question ever, but we do it every week. Who won the week? We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go.
0: Who won the week?
2: Hmm, let me think, Brad. Let me think. Who won the week this week?
3: Uh, I mean, you, obviously, obviously, you can say Matt Corral, but I'm gonna give it to DJ Darkin, man. I was really? Last week? Wow! Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, listen, if without Ole Miss defense this week, we if Ole Miss plays the way they played the week before, we're, we lose that game by two touchdowns. Doc Easy. Stretch. Easy. So he listen. He's uh, I'm gonna say I, you know. I, so I get on him. I'm honest. I try to be fair. Thought he thought the, the previous week was terrible. This week, man. I mean. He did exactly what I thought the obvious was. And that's, that's, you know, pressure on the quarterback, you know, taking some chances and, and look what happens. We get five sacks. Defense plays very respectable. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just not, we're not going to shut anybody completely down. We don't have that talent, but we played hard. We made stops when we needed to. Saturday is as stops. close
2: as it gets to that though.
3: Absolutely. Saturday's as good as you can get for an almost defense, but it was nice to see him go out there whenever it counted and, and make a stop. And, And ultimately, that's what won us the game.
2: They had slipped into the 100s in so many statistical categories. And all I could think was, outside of the first half against Louisville, this has been the same defense we've seen over and over since 2016. And then they come out and win the game. It can't be repeated enough. Ole Miss offensively was held scoreless in the fourth quarter. If I'd have told you that in a 31-point game for Ole Miss offensively, you'd have said, oh, they lost. They were upset, maybe by two touchdowns. And Defensively, Ole Miss stepped up, tied the season best with five sacks. Ole Miss has tallied two or more sacks in five of the six games this season. Mark Robinson, we've said it before, but career highs in total tackles, 14. Solo stops, 12. Tackles for loss, five and sacks with two. Jake Springer back. After dealing with the shoulder injury, tallied his first sack as a Rebel after missing the last four games with the injury. Springer had a career-best 11 tackles and Sam Williams. My God, Sam Williams tallied that one-and-a-half sacks versus Tennessee. Would have had more, but they kept holding them. But Sam Williams stepping up and being that next-level player that we all thought he could be, that he was going to be after that breakout first year. And last year, took a step back, but now he looks like that player again. He has at least one sack in all but one game this season. This Ole Miss defense is never going to set the world on fire. It doesn't have the talent or the depth, but it certainly has enough pieces to complement its offense enough to where Ole Miss can believe – that he could be a national title contender. And that sounds crazy because you look at Ole Miss defense and you think, I don't know, it's it's all Matt Corral, all the offense, they got to get healthy. And that's true to an extent. But the only way, the only way you can really put yourself in that company is if your defense is competent. We're not asking for good, we're asking for competent. And they were more than competent against Tennessee. They did the thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. And listen, the – I try not to get too caught up in the statistics for Ole the defense because anytime you are the defense or an offense that can run a hundred plays in a football game, yes, hey, it's just going to be what it's going to be. You know, you're going to be out there a lot more. Um, you know, you, you, your, your team's running so many plays so fast, you're going to be out there more. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the statistics matter, but but if you look at the, the, the within the game, every stop you're getting, every sack you're getting, you know, that that's that's big for the defense. Yeah, you know, that that's like a turnover for us. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, man, where, where you got to get credit where credit's due, and I thought D.J. Durkin um, decided this week, hey, I'm not sitting back there and letting him, letting him just gashes. Um, I'm coming after him, and, and it paid off. It really did, and I hope moving forward when we play quarterbacks who I think I would like to see them make a decision, you know, quick rather than just sit back there and actually let guys get open and then, don't you know, throw it wide open. But when these guys got to make quick decisions, you know, we, we get in this place even early on, man, ball that was wide open but he overthrew it he walked there's somebody in his face. does he hit that maybe but I mean a lot of times it gets overthrown so um yeah I just thought that was the difference maker today
2: we left out a helmet sticker Tyler Knight only had one tackle but he had one of the biggest plays of the game Ole Miss three and out on its first drive they punt muff punt and guess who was around the ball always around the ball Tyler Knight recovered the fumble, which led to the first touchdown of the game from Snoop Conner. Tyler Knight, he deserves some credit here, a helmet sticker. I guess it's our seventh helmet sticker. Maybe he doesn't deserve quite a helmet sticker because, again, according to the stat line, wasn't all that much. But as far as impacting the game and turning the tide early, that's what he does, and he did it again.
3: Yep, big big effort guy. Uh, more guys like that out there playing, the, you know, the better the stuff happens. If Chance Campbell, um, Mark Robinson, Talonite. Man, Chance Campbell. History.
2: Chance Campbell left everything he had out there, and that's cliche. But, man, if you watched him, it felt like it was an absolute struggle. He was just falling apart, but he stayed out there and then goes for eight and six. The guy just continues to come. Is he the most talented of the group? No, but he's got such an instinctual way about him and he was banged up and he would not allow himself to come out for any length of time. He stayed in, he stayed in the game, he stayed in the fight and that kind of stuff matters. And your teammates see that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's what, um, you know, that, that's how you earn your respect on the football field, you know, by, by what you do, by your effort. You know, I saw every time Matt Crow was, was out there making plays, y'all you know, sitting right there behind the defense. So you see them there, you know, they're getting hyped. They're you know, you can see in their expressions that that that, that they know they have a baller that's out there giving their you know giving their all for them. So, it inclines everybody else to do the exact same thing. And that's um, you know giving full effort, and um, you know you owe it to your team.
2: This is the Blue Delta Jeans morning after show, an edition of Talk of Champions. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions at iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, an affiliate of on3.com. Go check us out. You can sign up right now, a full-year subscription for a dollar, a dollar. And the response so far has been incredible. But get in. Get in with us. Give us a shot. Let us know what you think. Brad's there constantly, constantly contributing. Me and Chuck are going to hire a third and fourth person coming up hopefully this week. we got so much we're planning and so much um, to get going on the new site. It's the old Miss spirit you know and love, but in a new place. And I'm so fired up because Shannon Terry, who founded Rivals and sold it for millions and founded 247 and sold it for millions, this is his baby. He's doing it again. And the vision that he described to me the other day, Oh, my God. I'm not just trying to hype him up, but this is the guy right here. So make sure to check us out at the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpiriton3.com. Let's go. All right. Now it's time to finish this out by answering your questions. Mail oh. Oh. The, the mail's here.
0: You've got mail. Special mail for you.
2: This is a letter to
0: Hollywood saying,
2: keep it up. Movies are great. Opening the Modern Woman mailbag to answer Ooh. your questions, going only to Twitter this week, at bin on Twitter. The first one, Jasper County News. Should head referees be required to hold a press conference like head coaches? So many questions after each game, we would love to know. Coaches and players have to do it.
3: No, I don't think you held a press conference, but I think it'd be cool if they released, like, a little video explaining some of their um, calls, you know, and just explaining their, their thought process to it and explaining the rule because um, just like on yesterday, yesterday, the fans were freaked out about the Matt Corral fumble, whatever, but, you know, the whistle was blown. It is what it is. That, that's, that's been the rule. It's always been the rule um, for, for progress, and it, it was over. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just I, I think that a little video or something would help.
2: At least explain in some way. I didn't hear a whistle. I'm not saying there wasn't a whistle, but I didn't hear a whistle. So I get why Tennessee fans would have questions about that. Explain it. Explain what happened because everyone was confused. The fourth and 24. He said the call on the field stands. He didn't say confirmed. He said it stands. So that means there wasn't evidence enough to overturn. But if you watch the play, the knee goes down. He has the ball at his belt buckle. It was actually a really good spot. I was surprised by the spot itself because had they decided to mark him past the line to gain, it probably would have been confirmed because there wasn't evidence enough.
0: Hooker fires over the middle. Caught! First down Tennessee. 57 seconds. This spot is just short. He's a foot short according to the spot.
2: If you have problems with that and you want to hear from the referees, that's some of the most protected group in any profession ever. Accountability with any officials in any sport, it just doesn't happen. I don't know if a press conference works, but certainly being able to ask some questions would be a good step forward in that respect. Paul Mahan, at Uncle Paul Mahan, Ben, how many gray hairs do you have after the last two weeks? I don't have gray hair, but I'm starting to lose it a little bit. And what a perfect capper to my week, right? What a perfect capper for that to be the game. Ole Miss won, so we get to talk about it and not talk about an upset and what happens next, but trash on the field. Lane Kiffin playing some golf on the field. Holy cow, that was a mess. And the Braves <laughs> won. The Braves won on a walk-off, and I'm watching. I don't even get to really enjoy it because I'm watching Ole Miss. I haven't gotten to really watch the Braves playoff run so far, and – they're close. They got a chance to get to the World Series, but with my professional life stuff and then the game and uh, yeah, I need some sleep more than anything else. Brad knows that. I just have not slept. Steve Mayo at Stephen P Mayo talk about how crazy it is that Matt convinced Braylon Sanders to run a deep post on fourth and twenty-six against State in two thousand nineteen because the play was a thirteen-yard curl. After that, everyone gives the credit to Elijah Moore to the fake P. Matt got lane here. Corral is a beast. Defense finally stepped up. He did call that play. He made that call on his own. He did. It was the first step towards Matt Corral, I guess, saying, "This is my team. I'm the captain now."
3: Yeah, that, that, reliving anything from that year is crazy. But um, yeah, I'm just glad, glad he's here, and I'm glad he didn't, um, we didn't lose him. You know, so it's just crazy to think that that, um, that kid could have been um, could have been gone. So and, and nobody would even thought twice about it. Now we're talking about the first Heisman Trophy winner ever in Ole history. So, um, yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy, incredible story here.
2: Chad Hubbard at ChadWicked75. Should we be worried about the pass game? What did the defense do differently to have more success getting to the quarterback?
3: No, I think the pass game was fine. I mean, it, it, we're on the road. It's a loud environment. And if Pearson catches that one ball, that's, that's two deep ball touchdowns we hit in the game. He overthrew Braylon Sanders on a deep ball. I mean, the, the passing game is going to be fine. We just got to get our receivers back, and we got to get, um, you know, we got we to get healthy. I mean, it just you got too many guys in there that that aren't, um, you know, I don't know what the deal is, but they're just, we, we, we got to get to where we, we'll get our guys back. And um, I think the passes were there. We just got to catch the damn things.
2: John Caleb Wilson, how healthy will we be next week? Also, are UT fans the worst? Um, I'm not sure. You know, Lane's real
3: weird with injuries. Um, you know, the kind of last-minute last, minute, last minute injury reports, guys in, guys out. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping the Breland Sanders one isn't that bad because, you know, we cannot afford to lose him. You know, losing Mingo has already hurt us. And even when we get him back, he's probably not going to be. You know, it's probably going to take him a couple of weeks to get back to where he was. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. And, and yeah, Tennessee fans were. Um, I mean, it, it was absolutely brutal. It was. It was
2: disgusting. Jerry McCauley. Why do we only have two official visitors to next week's game? Why wouldn't we be hosting a lot of high-profile players? Are we struggling with recruiting? Why would we be? They're not struggling with recruiting. It goes back to something I said earlier. How you follow recruiting needs to change for this cycle in particular. It's a whole new world. It's going to be a smaller group that comes in and signs in the early signing period. There are a lot of big names that they're in on. And I expect them to have maybe one or two more official visitors. If you can't tell, your boy's about to be unretired from the recruiting game. That's happening. It's starting, I think, on Monday. But they're going to have more, I expect, the transfer portal and purging the roster because they have to due to numbers it's going to be hard to follow because transfer guys aren't going to be visiting in season. So don't get caught up in who's visiting and how many right now, the quality of the player that's visiting. That's what you need to pay attention to. And also understanding that the transfer portal, they're going to be so active, including going after a quarterback. They have to get another quarterback. They have to get one and they're going to get one. What you're used to doing as far as following recruiting and team rankings and recruiting rankings and player rankings, throw it out the window. It matters, but Remember, there's a whole nother market now. And with the numbers crunch, the way they put together a roster, roster construction, it's going to be a challenge in something that we haven't seen before. So are they struggling in recruiting? Absolutely not. They're crushing it in recruiting. But the way they're crushing it is different than you're used to seeing because it doesn't show up in an archaic recruiting database. Nubby at Sub 69 what's the bigger surprise to you? Tennessee fans throwing mustard bottles... Or that it wasn't great value brand.
3: <laughs> that's that's good. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: what, the question is, who had a full size bottle of mustard
3: at the game with them? That was um, an upset
2: alert that it was wasn't at LSU. Out. It wasn't at LSU. I mean, what? What? We had mustard at Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> who
3: do it? We had we had golf ball golf balls and mustard. I just I, got, I, don't, I don't, can't put those two
2: together. Sup at want underscore it underscore get underscore it too. Should Danish Jackson and JRP be more involved? They have no choice right now.
3: Yeah, we, we've we've tried to involve. I mean, JRP was in there a lot yesterday. I mean, he was he was he got a sweep, he got stuff, he got a pass that I thought was going to be wide open. Um, the, the DB made a good play on it. He's in there. I mean, he's he's getting the same amount of shots as everybody else. Um, it's just a matter of hey. um, I mean, he, he's got to show up. You know, when you get your opportunities, got to you got to got to make a play, and he hasn't yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he'll get more plays. Dennis Jackson, I'd like to see. Um, I, I'd like to see him step into Braylon's role, if um, you know Braylon's out. I'd like to see him be the deep guy. I think that's what he will be. He'll be he'll be the downtown guy, and um, I think I think I predict a big play out of him next week. Um, if he's playing, I, I think he'll catch a deep one next week.
2: Delta Dawn at Delta D Rebel. Why did the refs not? do the 10-second runoff with the clock when the Tennessee quarterback got hurt with 18 seconds left because the clock had stopped after getting a first down. And because the clock had stopped automatically, there isn't a 10-second runoff. What they do is once he's off the field and they set the ball, they start the clock then. Had the play happened and not gotten a first down or the clock hadn't stopped, there would have been a 10-second runoff. So that that's the whole rule book on that. John Stone at John Stone Collin. Do we really want students to stay until the fourth quarter?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, we we, we do, but we, we want them to act right, you know. So um, definitely, definitely not like, not like the Tennessee
2: people. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away from that. Other than that, oh, man, that that just whole deal was so surreal. And the fact that you were in the stadium seeing it, of course that's the game you travel to, right? Of course that's the game that Bradley Sal went to, the game where all hell breaks loose and my man's just sitting in the stadium thinking, okay, am I going to have to fight my way no. out of
1: here?
3: No, and my, my wife knows my personality too. She's like, "Come on, we need to just go. Let's just go to the tailgate. And let's get yeah, out of here." Poor wife. <laughs> you know, it's gonna, t- it's gonna, it's gonna take one. It's gonna take one guy, and I, I don't, I don't do the whole like shit talking. Like it's, if it's on, it's on
2: covid free md can you review the options officials have regarding penalizing the team whose fans lose control like tonight what happens is the 80s come together and make a decision is it the best way to go about it no but that's what they do and they decided to play on i'm just surprised there was no penalty thrown that's what i'm curious about steve mayo how would brad feel about a quarterback running for 195 behind him what does that do for an offensive lineman
3: well, oh, it's, it's great, man. Like uh, I, the one year I played with Russell Wilson, we got a lot of that. You know, Russell run, run, ran the ball a lot. Um, there's some good and bad with it. Well, the good is, hey, like if I get beat, sometimes he's going to get out of it and make me look better than I am. Um, the bad is sometimes he's not. You know, When you're blocking for a quarterback, you kind of want to know where his spot is, where he's setting up. So whenever I'm looking over a play, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, hey, is it a five-step drop, three-step? Is he rolling out of the pocket a little bit? You know, where's his eyes on this play? Hey, if, if his eyes are to the left, I know he's going to be able to feel what's coming on the left side, maybe not the right. If he's looking to the right side, I know. Hey, I got got to be steady on this play. He's not going to see the guy coming from behind. So, um, you know, that, that's that's the only difference. But when you got a running quarterback, he may you know play maybe the right, but he may be you know veering to the left or, or getting ready to run. So there are times where, where you're blocking your guy and he runs right into him or something. So um, there's some good and bad with it, but um, I always like to run a quarterback. Um, it, it always helped to, to extend the plays, get first downs, and people rush those guys different. So, um, a lot of times you don't pressure them because you know if you miss, it's going to be wide open up the middle. And a lot of times at the DN don't want to really run the hump because they're going to leave a leave a void in there. So, you get a lot tighter rush. I got that with Russell Wilson. You get a lot more bull rush, a lot of tighter rushes. So, um, it, 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 was, it was beneficial from that from that standpoint.
2: Matt Howell at Coach Howell 15. Corral obviously didn't put the stats up through the air, but without him, this game is an L. Well, yeah. Does this game have any impact on his Heisman hunt? Yeah. It boosts it. He still finished with 300 and what? Yeah. 86, almost 400 yards of total offense. He scored two, yeah, two touchdowns. He threw an interception, but 30 for uh, 195.
3: He, yeah, he had 427 yards of uh, total offense. He had 195 yeah. yards rushing, 231 yards passing, so. He's, I mean, yeah, I'm he's, bad at he's math. Yards I was
2: ball told ball. there would be no math, so forgive me for my rough math there. Yeah, that's just never going to be good for your boy here. But yeah, and did it help him? <laughs> it helped him. I mean, yeah, it helped him. Of course, it helped him. It helped him. He had a drop. He had a drop touchdown as well. Exactly.
3: Before Pearson catches that touchdown. He throws for, for two eighty and three touchdowns. So
2: oh.
3: yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's 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 fine.
2: More <laughs> he's fine. more than fine. That was <laughs> insane. Ham Ole Miss Club, which is worse arkansas or tennessee twitter that's a close race
3: yeah i don't know i'm not on twitter but i'm sure they're both brutal um a tennessee hit tennessee was interesting
2: Corey clark at crc underscore 91 if you're a vols fan which garbage slash item would you have thrown onto the field and are you aiming for lane kiffin or matt corral i wouldn't throw anything on the field
3: yeah it was it was it was stupid man and that, that they had those huge beers there too man i mean there was they were throwing those They were throwing those $20 beers all over the place.
2: Unique Johnson, is it time to give the freshman wide receiver a shot? Too many big plays was left out on the field due to the drops. Is Braylon Brown healthy enough to go out there? Other than that, I don't know if Brandon Buckhalter is ready. I, I promise you, if anybody could help right now, they would play.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, there's another way to put it. If there was somebody that, that could help, they would definitely be in there. I think you, you can look at um, Jaden Jackson. Um, he, he would he would be the next candidate to get in there and help out. But man, just has got to catch the ball, you know. And, and and Corral, you know, early on Corral was, you know, he wasn't quite didn't was quite getting in there on, on a few a few of the plays. I get it. Um, kind of a crazy environment, but you know, at the end of the day, man, we gotta we gotta catch the ones that are right to you, and uh, and we didn't do that yesterday.
2: Steve Mayo, does Corral get a statue next to Tim Elko's? No, his goes in front of Vaught Hemingway, and Elko's goes in front of Swayze Field. But at this point, he's definitely on the path to a statue. The varsity at Ole Miss Graduate. Where are we placing the Kiffin statue? I guess right next to Matt Corral. Not Lane Kiffin's burner account. <laughs> What's up with the overly conservative play calling on the last offensive possession? Yeah, I followed
3: it all together yesterday. I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily love the game plan. I thought that um, – I think I texted you, text you earlier. I thought I thought they were really predictable. You know, whenever – anytime we had a condensed split and we were tight, we ran the ball, um, you know, I, I thought we should have maybe, you know, shown a little bit, you know, wider, wider sets and kind of got the matter. So, every time we condensed, man, they, they knew it was a run. And they, it seemed like they knew when we were going to run a pass yesterday. I wasn't wasn't a huge fan of the plan, but at the same time, they kept it safe. You know, not a lot of turnovers. Even the turnover Matt Corral had was – I mean, it was it was – you know, the luck of the luck of Jesus, you know, I mean, it got bad in the air it was interception interceptions shouldn't even have been so that um, they were safe with the ball a lot of times on the road. And that's there's, there's two stats that matter in football on the road, third downs and turnovers. And um, I think we did, did a good job on both of those.
2: He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet on the road back home from Neyland Stadium. Ole Miss wins 31 to 26 at Tennessee to move to five and one, two and one in the SEC if you haven't already, subscribed, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss spirit an affiliate of own3.com. Come check us out. One dollar, one dollar for a full year subscription. And you get me and Brad and Chuck and the next two writers we're bringing in, hopefully next week. We're going to blow it out, man. So come give us a shot. One dollar. What do you got to lose? It's a dollar dollar right now for a full-year subscription. Give us a shot. Come join us. And I don't know if next week that this show is going to be the morning after show moving forward or the post-game show, whatever. We're always going to be here handing out helmet stickers, Brad's big thing, who won the week, you name it. You'll hear from Lane Kiffin. Go around the circle. This isn't changing. Brad and I are here to stay, and we'll be back. Be safe coming home, my friend. I appreciate you. We'll talk next week.
3: See you, Ben. hot a